Back to life. Back to reality. Back to reality, indeed. And I'll tell you, however I want it, it's not this way. After winning three straight and getting off to a 5-3 and three start, the Knicks have come back down to earth, losing three straight games to fall to now 5-6 and six on the year. We'll dive into what has changed for Thib's squad and look ahead to the big Knicks-Nets matchup. We also chat with a key member of the late 90s hard-nosed Knicks. It's the point guard, number one, Chris Childs, all that, plus Sizzlin' Sal, and more. That's coming up next on a brand new episode of Big Apple Buckets from the New York Post. Welcome back to Big Apple Buckets, our New York Knicks podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Sal Licata, alongside my co-host, former Knicks and NBA big man. There is the junkyard dog, Jerome Williams. New episodes of the podcast drop every Tuesday afternoon. Subscribe to Big Apple Buckets on Apple Podcasts. Go in there and give us a five-star rating and write a nice review, please. It does help. If you're not an Apple user, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google, or Amazon. You can also call into our Big Apple Buckets voicemail. Leave your questions and comments for us. The number is 973-988-3923 or leave us an email at BigAppleBucketsPod at gmail.com. When we last left you, the Knicks were sky high. Everything was feeling great before they set on that four-game, you know, not road trip or whatever, but they had a four-game slate. And unfortunately, JYD, it started off well, but has ended poorly with losing three straight. So they win against Utah, a disappointing game on Friday night at the Garden against Oklahoma City. They followed it up getting smoked again by Denver. And then on Monday night, losing in Charlotte. The Knicks have taken a punch here and they have not been able to respond. What are you seeing in the difference in the last three games with this Knicks team? Well, first and foremost, I think we're not getting these voicemails because people didn't know whether or not they were going to jump on the bandwagon or they were going to be, you know, the party poopers. So I'm figuring there's going to be some voicemails next week for us to respond to and the dog pound can, can talk, you know, back at. Now, having said that, you know, we look back at the, the the first, the start of it at Oklahoma, right? And I kind of attribute looking at, you know, their stat line. The stat line kind of gives us a, a roadmap. And I'm looking at the rebounding situation. First of all, we lost at the rebound, the rebound fight 62 to 49. Yeah, okay, that's a that's a tail, tail sign of we got some problems because if we're not getting second chance points. If we're not getting the ball off the defensive glass, you know, we're, you know, we're going to have problems. Now, when I go down the other side, I'm also looking at the turnovers, right? The turnovers weren't, weren't what, what cost us the game. Cause we, we won the battle on turnovers four to 11. It's all about the shooting. You can't shoot 34%. That's what, that was the start of the, you know, the, the, the shift, you know, I think players are getting a little tired, a little fatigued. I believe that, you know, when you have that many injuries, you you know, we're missing our key element in Alec Burks. You know, he was averaging 20 points a game. You take that out the lineup, it's like a ripple effect, especially when you have younger guys. R.J. Barrett, now he has to do more. He has to, you know, force more. We shot 30% from three, 
which you say, hey, isn't that bad? But when you look at the free throw line and the free throw attempts, 12 for 20, 60% from the free throw line. You got to convert free throws. So free throws, you kept your you kept your turnovers down that game. But when we start to look at the start of the slide, those are the statistics that, that jump off the page at me, Sal. Yeah, and there's a few different things. You touched on them there. Let's dive into them individually here. Number one, and we're not making excuses. Look, the Knicks have been garbage here the last few games. However, injuries are taking a toll. And you mentioned the key guy, Alec Burks. They are built, JYD, with Burks and Bullock to a lesser degree to be the guys to knock down outside shots. That's just how they're built. R.J. Barrett is not a three-point shooter, and we'll get to him in a second. But without Burks in the lineup, that is that hurts. And you can survive maybe a couple of games. You can't survive the long haul. And that has really come to hurt them here. Obviously, Obi Toppin is supposed to be a big factor. He's been out. The other depth pieces that they haven't had. So the injuries are taking a toll on – not to make excuses. They've been trash. Don't get me wrong. But the injuries are having a, a negative impact on what this team has done here in the last week. I mean, Julius Randle, that particular game – was our leading rebounder and assist as, as typical Julius Randle. But when the guy's playing 38 minutes a night and without a spell, you know, you mentioned Obi Toppin not being able to get that little break here and there, some minutes and let the energy of the of the building pick up with the younger player. It's going to start to take his toll. You need that pop. He had to pop. He's still speaking the right language as a leader. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to need some of these younger players to come in and bring that energy, help these older guys out. You think the minutes are taking a toll on Randall? I know people talk about now, what is it, load management and all that stuff that you know was unheard of back when you played. But you think the minutes are taking a toll on Julius Randall? Well, I think just because it's a whole new system, right? There's a no, new level of accountability. There's a new level of defensive tenacity. And those things are what takes a toll. When you change the, the pretty much the, the entire ecosystem of a franchise by injecting a new coach with a new philosophy, that's what makes the difference. And what you were used to doing the previous year and playing 36, 38 minutes a game the previous year is under a different regime now. So those minutes look different. You're going to be getting lower on defense. You're going to be held accountable more. So, yeah, that fatigue is setting in early on in the season. How about the idea, too, JYD? I mentioned this in the open that they've taken a punch. And I, I I love teams, you know, it can't just all be sky high, right? Okay, the Knicks are going really well. It's not, we know with this group that they're not talented enough to for that to be the case. But regardless of how good you are, you're always going to deal with some adversity. Well, this is the first time this year that the Knicks are dealing with some adversity and a team that looked like, you know, we talked about RJ Barrett being a man and Julius Randle developing into an all-star team that was playing from ahead and being those bullies, as you talked about early on, they've now got punched in the mouth here over the last few games and they've yet to get off the mat. They keep getting worse and worse. They're getting smoked. Did they not have it in them? Are we going to see them respond to this adversity here? At what point do you think they need to? This is a big stretch here. I mean, they got Brooklyn coming up, but we'll get into you know Cleveland's a game they got to somehow win. They, they got to get off the mat and respond to this adversity that they've dealt with here. Well, it all starts for me, obviously, after the Charlotte game and watching that game, we only had 20 assists. 20 assists is for this team to win on a nightly basis. We were averaging in between 25 and 26 assists on those wins, right? That's sharing the balls, getting your teammates in the right spots. And everybody kind of contributing 
to the point where, you know, you let your leaders lead and guys who, you know, get it going, get it going. Now, from the rebound perspective, I like the fact that they were in the fight. 49 to 37, the last rebounds battle against Charlotte, we won. But the turnovers, that's what kicked us in the butt. You know, we had 16, they only had 10, but they had 24 points off a turnover, Sal. Look at the spread. You can't have that many turnovers, and they get 24 points as well off of those turnovers. That was a, that was a, the tail of the game. You have to cut that down, cut that back down, and play more consistent basketball. Do you think it's a case, though, where guys are feeling that adversity and feeling that pressure because they've now lost three, you know, where they're trying to do too much and you're not seeing? I mean, you can point out the numbers all you want, but just watch it and you're not seeing the same spacing, the same ball movement. Obviously, the numbers then translate with the lack of assists, but you're not seeing the same unity. Maybe guys trying to do too much or take over as individuals, trying to get the team back on track. Are you seeing that when you watch this team? Or is that something that's real within the players? Well, that's what I, I saw fatigue, Sal. I saw tired players. I mean, Kevin Knox brought some energy. He had 19 points last game. Mitchell Robinson, he's been consistent. He brought he was our leading rebounder for the game. You know, RJ Barrett, he had the, he had he was our leading assist guy for the game. The this isn't typically how our roster of of points and things have gone. It's been Julius Randle, Julius Randle, and then Everybody kind of feeds off of Julius Randle, even R.J. Barrett, right? Alec Burke, feed off of him. So these are the kind of things that I see when I look at a team that's tired. You know, like you said, less spacing, less ball movement, one-two pass shot. That just shows you, you know, you're, you're mentally exhausted. And it comes when you have so many players out. You can't get that spell. You need that spell out there, guys. Two guys I want to get to specifically. We talked about this early on in the podcast, JYD. I don't know if it was episode one or two, whatever. But the Knicks will go as Randall, Barrett, and Quickly go. And Barrett and Quickly are not doing their part. Now, R.J. Barrett continues to say, well, I'm going to keep shooting. Problem is, he doesn't shoot well. That's not his game. He's not going to replace Alec Burks from the outside. He needs to stick to his strengths and attack the rim, so I don't want to see him shoot. He's a terrible shooter. Now, maybe you could work on that, but as Walt Clyde Frazier said on the broadcast on MSG on Monday night, you don't learn how to shoot in the NBA. You're in the NBA. You should either know how to shoot or you don't. So he's a he's got a great strength in attacking the rim. That is a, a plus strength for R.J. Barrett. I, I believe he should be sticking to that as opposed to shooting the outside three, which is just not falling. He can't shoot. Hey, man, listen, you got to know why you're getting your bread and butter. And your bread and butter starts with the fact that you can drive to the cup. You're our best slasher on the team. You can get there and get to the foul line when you're fouled. And he's he's improved his right hand dribble drive. So that makes him a dual threat, you know, when going to the basket. Now, after you've made some free throws, after you've made some layups and gotten some, you know, some good buckets going to the hole, now you push out to your mid-range jump shot. See how it's going. And if it's you can hit, you know, 60% of those shots, sure, step back from the three. You know, let it fly. Keep shooting, as they say to all these young guys. Keep shooting. Yes, we want you to keep shooting. But what type of shots are you taking? We do want to win. You do have to get into the playoffs. And the playoffs, you know, they're going to tell you to keep shooting, but they want to get you to get to the next round. And how you do that is putting pressure on the defense. And R.J. Barrett is more than capable of doing that. That's what you know, we need him to do. 
uh, one of the more discouraging things is that it's not like the Knicks are forcing bad shots. They've actually been good looks. They still can't knock him down. Emmanuel, quickly, did we react too quickly to his bursting onto the scene here? I mean, we talked about him being a player. I don't know how you go from that to then just being dreadful in the last several games. The outside shot not there. He seems to be forcing the issue and trying to do too much. But quickly has been a big problem, JYD, because since he's come back healthy, he has not been the player that we thought he might be for the Knicks, even early on in his young career. All right, well, here it goes. It comes down to that scouting report. Scouting reports are everything. Yeah, when you first come in, there's no scouting report. There's no ink on the paper, nothing being explained. We don't know what your strengths are. After a couple looks, yeah, he got himself to the front page of that scouting report, and now it's all about putting up, meaning, now, what can you do as people know exactly what you're going to do? You know, now he's met with the adversity of, hey, guy, you can't sneak up on anybody anymore. They know your tendencies. They know what you're trying to do. Can you still do it? And it's a tough, tough go for rookies, especially because you you want to be able to work your way into that. But at the same time, it's a good problem to have because if you're getting minutes, that going it. Every rookie in the league wants the minute. So now you just got to put up, man. You got to let that, let your game flourish. Got to let it, let it ride, man. Start barking. If all else fails, bark. (laughs) Just bark at somebody. Come on, Sal. They could use some of that. It's been a rough stretch here. And look, I like quickly, but he needs to get it turned around here. It's a combination. As we've just touched on a bunch of different things, the guys who were there are not doing well enough, clearly, in the absence of the guys who aren't there. So the injury's taking a toll. That leads to maybe guys playing too many minutes, you want to reference Randall or Barrett, whatever, but they're missing key pieces to the way the team was built, specifically with Burks, because he was supposed to be the outside shooter. And you look at it, and it's all added up to the Knicks now losing three straight games. So when we last left you, everything was looking great. And then obviously now it's not with the three. Looking ahead to the next four games, Brooklyn on Wednesday, in Cleveland on Friday, at Boston on Sunday, the Magic on Monday night, and then we'll be with you for our fifth edition of this year's podcast. JYD, that's not an easy stretch. Beginning easy stretch. beginning with the crosstown rival, the hated Brooklyn Nets, who are dealing with their own issues. You know, yeah, they got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, two guys who I'm sure the Knicks would have loved to have had. But, man, Brooklyn, they can't get these two guys on the court for one reason or another, and Kyrie Irving now has gone AWOL. Yeah, first you had KD with the COVID symptoms or or at least quarantine just in case he might have had the symptoms. He gets back out. Then, you know, the event at the Capitol goes down in D.C. And next thing you know, Kyrie says, I'm, I need a, a timeout. I need a break. I need to handle some personal things. You know, the word on the street is he, he was hanging out with Drake over the weekend. I'm like, man, I don't know what's going down. But I can tell you this, he needs to he needs to talk to his teammates and make sure they're on the same page because you can lose a locker room real quick if everybody isn't paying attention to each other's personal needs and and, and what have you. So I'm not too worried about him because at the end of the day, he is Kyrie Irving. He come back with two 40-piece nuggets. Everybody's going to forget <laughs> real quick that he, he, he missed a week. But his knees will feel better. I know that. That's one thing about getting a break. You come back with them fresh, fresh wheels on you, and it's like chain your tires. You know, but you're all lubed up and ready to go. 
you can't, but you can't do this, Jay White. You talked about it. Even if Durant says, you know, we got his back a hundred percent, and even though he texted his teammates, he didn't text his head coach. He's bailing on the organization, and he is bailing on his teammates. I mean, even if you, I could text you all, JYD, you know what, have a good podcast. I'm not showing up because i got personal issues going on. It's one thing if you need a breather to miss a game and get your thoughts together, to just basically be absent like this for now over a week and have no contact with the head coach or with the organization, or at least not ha- explain yourself. That, to me, is a problem, and this is repeated offense with Kyrie Irving. Well, wait a minute, Sal. I mean, this is his M.O. Like, we're talking about Kyrie. It's not somebody. This isn't uh, 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 Kawhi Leonard, all right? This this, this isn't Paul George. I mean, this is Kyrie. This is his M.O. You would deal with Boston As a teammate in Cleveland. As a teammate of his, you would deal with that? Hey, listen. Look, for certain people... You accept certain things if that's what they are. So that's all I'm saying is if it was somebody else, you'd be like, man, where is he? What's going on? But it's Kyrie. Kyrie said the world was flat. Come on, man. Got to get that man a little break. (laughs) He's still trying to figure things out. Like, he didn't know, you know, I don't even think he made, he don't even think we made it to the moon. So we got to, you know, (laughs) give him a break, man. Come on, shout I'd have zero Kyrie, man. Hey, look, he sold the most shoes in in 2020 in the Nike camp. He's number one. He sold 800 million in shoes. I don't know what his check is, but that could, that might make me a little sick. I might need to take a personal break. My daggone self. If I sell $800 million worth of shoes and I look at my check and LeBron's making a cool billion, but I'm making, you know, I don't know what he's making. Is he making a million dollars too? What? But he sold 800 million in shoes. I'm taking a break. You know what? I might not call Steve Nash. He might just not get a text from me because I'm trying to figure out what my next move's going to be. Yeah. As an organization, I would have zero tolerance for it. And I'll tell you, if he did this stuff with the Knicks, Oh boy, it would be a big time problem. So it's already a big enough problem he's doing with Brooklyn. But if he ever did this with the Knicks, I'm glad. Let me go on record. I'm glad he and Durant chose the Brooklyn Knicks. Brooklyn Knicks. If he was with the Knicks, he would definitely take out his frustrations on Madison Square Garden floor opponents. That's where he would get his sanctity Uh, back. Well, you know what? He's going to do that in Brooklyn. He's not playing in the Mecca. Come on now, Sal. You got to have some. You gotta, you gotta tone it down. I think Jake, he had a glass of pissivity this morning. <laughs> Sal had a cool glass of pissivity. He's taking it out on Kyrie. I'm not having it. Dog pal's not having it. That's his mo, man. You can't but, just put him in a box. Let me just say. Let me just say. I have no problem with Kyrie Irving if he if he wants to go do something more than basketball and if he feels like he could do more in life than that. But you can't leave your organization hanging like this. I, I would just have zero tolerance. And I was trying to get behind Kyrie. Either way, his team is going to be playing in Madison Square Garden on Wednesday night. He's not going to be there. That's a problem. And this is a huge game for the Knicks, a, a big stretch here you know, with, as we mentioned, Brooklyn, Cleveland, Boston, and Orlando over the next four to try to well, – Well, he's not shit. there. It's going to be good for the Knicks. Yeah, all right. That, just to I will say, 
<laughs> just Durant to deal with, which is more than enough. All right, we got a packed podcast for you here. Chris Childs coming up, one of JYD's former teammates and one of my favorites being with those 90s Knicks. We'll talk to, Mark, talk to Mark Berman, who, of course, longtime beat writer for The Post with the Knicks and get his thoughts as well. And I'll give you some of my sizzling takes on some things that bother me outside of Kyrie Irving. That's all ahead on Big Apple Buckets. It's now that time of the show where Sal Licata brings out his alter ego, Sizzlin' Sal, to sound off on something that has him sizzling hot like a juicy sizzler steak. Take it away, okay. Sal. Here's the thing. Uh, there's a couple of things that bother me, and throughout the course of you know the season here doing these podcasts, you'll find out, JYD, that it's more than just a couple. But to start the year off, one thing that has bothered me for years, and I can't wait to get your take on this, and it doesn't happen all the time, but it happens way more often than it should. The home team wearing colored jerseys and the team on the road wearing white jerseys why does this – I know I'm an old-school guy and I grew up in the 90s watching the 90s Knicks or whatever. I want. Is it too much to ask to just have the home team wearing the white jerseys and the road team wearing whatever color jersey they would like? It drives me nuts. I am 100% behind you on this. This makes me hot. This makes the dog pound hot because this is crazy. You look up at the score, you just want to turn on the TV and see a white jersey – and a dark jersey, and you know that the home team is the white jersey. They start mixing this up. Man, listen, this is what this would not have been dog pound approved if JYD would still be playing today. It throws you off, man. Next thing you know, AAU teams are going to be doing it. This is craziness. <laughs> this is blasphemous. You can't have this. You got to have a home team and an away team. You can't be mixing it up like this. I agree with you, Sal. I, well, I appreciate that. And I'm not, I'm not even saying that they can't have, you know, an alternate jersey. I'm fine with that. I get it's about jersey sales and making money. All that I ask is the home team wears the white freaking jersey because you're right. There are times where I know the schedule. Okay, the Knicks are home against whatever opponent tonight. And then I flip on the game. And I don't even know who's home. I barely even know who's playing because these uniforms are so crazy. It should be very simple. The Again, whatever alternate jersey you want to come up with, that's fine with me. The home team needs to wear white jerseys. End of story. I would never buy a jersey, whatever player on the back, that kind that they're wearing right now. Go back to the old Knicks, 90s Knicks jerseys. How about the that? The problem is they're too similar. Don't you think the Nets throwback is clear? It's a completely different jersey. And by the way, it's a beautiful one. I mean, those, those were Nets teams. I, I know because we grew up watching it, but those blue and red uh, tie-dye jerseys, I love those things. The Knicks is just classic, clean jersey. Now there's a little twang, but yeah, but it's similar it's still similar. similar to what it was. I don't know if you can yeah. make, you know, make that type of jersey. Uh, by the way, JY, do you bring up a good point? I need to get myself a junkyard dog jersey and have you sign that baby for me. Come Absolutely, on. man. You got to get in the dog pound now. Now, I will say the Knicks classic jersey. Now, I don't know if you noticed how it was navy blue and like a uh, uh, burgundy, like royal. I still have my shorts and my throwback classic Knicks jersey. Right. This this it's, is from you, from 0405 you're talking about? Yes. 
Yeah, okay. From when you play yeah. it. I don't remember I don't remember you changing it, you know, the Knicks changing it too much, but the white at home, you know, with the orange striping or whatever and blue striping and then the blue with the orange and white striping, just as clean a look as you can possibly. I even like those blue jerseys. I'm fine with the blue jerseys on the road. That's it. On the road, man. One, one more thing, JYD, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with this okay. or not, and I, I you're better off if you're not. This hashtag Knicks tape. Now, this is a thing that these people, these millennials on Twitter come up with. Amon mm. Shumpert, I believe Amon Shumpert started it in, what, 14, 15, whatever, that when the Knicks were actually winning a couple of games, it would be hashtag Knicks tape. Now, what that means, I have no idea, but it was dumb then, and it's even dumber now. Knicks fans need to retire the hashtag Knicks tape. It's played. It's stupid. It's a That's a different era of Knicks basketball. Come up with something different or just use simple hashtag Knicks. Right. If the Knicks tape didn't get you to a championship, you need to erase it. That could be throwing us back. That could be taking us, you know, down the wrong trail. We don't want to go down the wrong trail. We want to stay on the right path, right? So Knicks tape got to be erased. I didn't even know nothing about it. I'm old school. Daggone it. Internet wasn't even out when I came out, <laughs> became an NBA player. So all this new stuff and the hashtags and 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 and, and emojis, I call them I call them memes. My wife's like, they're not memes. I said, like, babe, I don't know what these kids are talking about. So Nick's tapes and hashtags, all this stuff, this is all pre-dog pound. And yeah, just go on and get rid of it if he didn't bring you a championship. If he brought you a championship. We down. I'm never tweeting Nick's tape again, apparently. Oh, I, I became I a fan of it. It was just fun. It was just like Nick's tape, like we're back, like Rasheed Wallace, Carmelo, like Iman Shumper. This is awesome. But maybe it is time to retire. Let's put it in the rafters at Madison Square Garden. Hashtag Nick's tape. We are joined now by another one of JYD's former teammates and one of my personal favorites I grew up watching. I was living it with you while you were there, blood, sweat, and tears on the court. I was on the couch with those 90s Knicks. Chris Childs joins us now. Chris, we appreciate the few minutes. What's going on, man? Yo, yo, yo! How's everybody? That's what I'm talking about. We need more barking in the game today. That's it. You know, we used to come with it. The the second unit with Chili Childs and uh Keon Clark and the dog pound. Oh was man. They, 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 we had we had people running. They had, we had people running. They they didn't want no parts of, of our second unit. That second unit was like a MMA WWA no <laughs> holes bar, tackle you, foul you, dive on you, kick you, stump you, and then once the bark came out, it was on. It was on, man. And then we had we had one of the you know slightly decent shooters in the game, Dell Curry, still lighting them up from distance. Tracy Murray, shout out to UCLA. Oh my God, Steve Murray. Yeah. Can you can you imagine? I mean, we go all the way back, but I remember I was telling this, this story to some of the kids I trained that I remember watching Steph, Seth, and my son Jesse. At the time, I think they were around 11, 10 or 11, and these kids were shooting three-pointers with their left hand. Right. At, Facts. At 11 years of age, I watched it in person after practice. Dale was over there with Steph and Seth, and those kids were putting up NBA three-pointers with their left hand. Amazing. And I used to rebound for Steph after games, I mean, after practice, 
and he'd go around and make five in a row from five spots and literally miss three shots, like all the way around for 25. That's got to be crazy. 11. Both of you guys, yeah. so you guys are teammates, obviously, in Toronto. It's got to be crazy, though, you know, teammates with Del Curry and then seeing his kids and now seeing what they're doing in the NBA. I mean, that's got to be oh, – I, I can't even – how do you describe that? What you saw as a young kid, could you know the potential? Did you see it, the possibilities that they would turn into one of the best players in the history of the league as far as uh, Steph Curry goes? Yeah. Monday morning chatter in the locker room was how many points is Steph – this weekend, Dell in his AAU tournaments, 40, 50, and going up against two age groups up. Right, Chili? Yeah, it was, you know, you you would never you can you wouldn't think that he would be this great, but you saw the work ethic, you saw the, the natural ability. And then with Dell being there and and giving him the tutelage, and and it's easy to, to do it when you're just shooting around with your dad, but to transfer it over to your AAU game, we're NBA players, and we're sitting there waiting for Dale to come in to give us the scoop on how many points they scored and what kind of moves he did. He, you know, hook shots falling out of bounds. It's, it's, it may, I know he's proud. I'm proud. I know Jay Waddell, everybody that was around him is uh, proud of the, the player and the man that he's become. You know, you guys are teammates in Toronto, of course, but I, you know, Chris, I loved you from those 90s Knicks as we talked about it, playoffs every single year. You were a guy who gave everything that he had, and I loved it, knocking down big shots, always a great competitor. You know, they, the Knicks haven't been, and I know they've gotten off to a decent start this year, but they haven't had even that passion that you guys used to play when I talk about this with JYD all the time. Man, you were there for it. The prime years, those 90s Knicks, you realize it's over 20 years ago. That still resonates with Knicks fans because we haven't seen it in so long. You being a part of those great 90s teams, even though obviously you never won the championship, all those battles in the postseason. Man, we miss those times, Chris. Yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, the, the mystique is gone right now because, you know, guys knew when they came to the city, to New York to play in Square Garden. You couldn't come, you know, you want to come in and enjoy the, the nightlife, but you couldn't enjoy it too much because they knew that they were coming into the terror zone. And we were coming with it. We were, you know, if we couldn't beat you, we were going to beat you up. And that's just the way the game was played back then. And I just think they got to get back to, one, getting that mystique back, two, playing a game the same way every night. Right now, you don't know what you're going to get each and every night. So you have to have a staple of how you're going to play every night. And also, you can't allow teams to come in there and have their best games or individual players have their best games because that carries over to other teams coming in. So I just think that they're they're on the right path. They got upper management. They got the coach that they need to bring that style of basketball back to the guard. And all we can do is, is wish, uh, wish them the best and I continue to root for him. What about uh, Emmanuel quickly, Chris? You talked about liking this young guard. What have you seen so far from him that makes you believe maybe he could be a player for this team? I, I just like his overall game. He, he has a complete game. Uh, he's still young, so he has a lot to learn. The NBA game is a lot different than the college game. It's a lot faster, a lot more physical. But uh, he's, with, he's with the right coach that's going to 
uh, demand a lot from him. It's going to hold him accountable. And uh, I don't know what veterans that they have that's going to stay in the kids here and get him in the gym early, get him in the weight room. Main thing as a rookie, you have to study. You have to be a student of the game. And if he does that, guy's the limit. I, I enjoy watching him. Yeah, you talk about being a student of the game. And I remember, you know, when we were teammates in Toronto, how you'd have a lot of conversations with Alvin Williams, you know, an up and coming guard for the Raptors. And you just you just uh, pouring into him really gave him a lot of confidence. Can you talk about the need like, you know, around the league for good veterans? Seems like that's been a lost art. And a lot of times a lot of these NBA teams end up having to rotate players a lot more. When I got traded to Toronto, that was one of the first things that Coach Wilkins brought me into the office and asked of me to be that veteran leader uh, to instill uh, what I was able to bring to New York and bring it to Toronto. And But the great thing about it is that Alvin A. Boogie was receptive to, because he was already up and coming guy, but he was receptive to me coming in, helping him, also coming in and starting some games, moving him to the two, and he became a student of the game. It wasn't just him being a point guard. He had to be a complete player. In today's game, there's not a lot. I think a lot of the veterans still feel they have something to prove, and they're trying to compete with these younger guys. But when you're, when you're, if you look at Vince Carter, who was there with us, the reason he was able to continue to play after 20 years is because he knew that he had his role was to be there and and teach the younger guys about the game, but not only the game. JYD, you know this as well as anybody, and you had Oak there that was, you know, helping you and inspiring you, and you were just more of athletic Charles Oakley, Dennis Rodman. And so the vet, the veterans are missed. They don't need to compete with the young guys. They need to teach the young guys and help them understand that you practice only two, three hours, maybe four if you're in the weight room. Now, what do you do with your other 20 hours of that day to be a professional off the court? Because we've seen a lot of young kids come into the game and first round draft picks, second round draft picks, and they get caught up in the after hours uh, when you're away from the court. So they need veteran guys there to instill that you're just because you're not on the court, you're still a professional off the court. Was there somebody, Chris, when you joined the Knicks that was like that for you? I mean, you had a couple years with the Nets first, I know that, but then in the, with those 90s Knicks teams, was there anybody that led the way for you personally, made you better, not only on the court, but off the court as well? Well, you know, when I got there, Ernie Grunfeld was the GM, Dave Checkett. Then you had Oak. You had uh, Charlie, who was already there, that was so receptive of me coming there. He had waited his turn to be the starter, and I ended up coming there being the starter. But I don't know if people remember, when I got to the league, I was 25. I had spent five years in the CBA, so I was able to mature there. And then once I got to New York, the limelight didn't bother me. You know, I was a man. I wasn't a boy. And I remember the first thing, Charles Oakley told me, say, listen, I'll take care of the big guys. You take care of the guard. And so he was giving me a role immediately when I got there. And so it was it was just an amazing team. The good thing about it is that our team, just like the team in Toronto, we policed ourselves. We didn't need the coach to motivate us or get us ready to practice. We would go to each other and say, listen, pull your weight. You know, you got to come with it tonight or you got to come to practice so that we can prepare and be ready for Philadelphia or the New York Knicks when we ended up playing in the playoffs uh, my first couple years uh, in Toronto. So uh, it was some special guys, some special teams, guys that were 
self-motivated. And the team that they have now in New York, they need to find uh, guys that can fit that role as well. Chris, you have anybody, I mean, for me, like I said, growing up loving those 90s Knicks teams, I can't get enough of it. Living those battles from, you know, the, my couch, watching you guys give everything you had, every playoff series, all those years. Is there still a team from those days that you hate? I mean, Pacers, I know Bulls was a little bit before you got with the Knicks, but Pacers, Heat, I mean, you have anybody in particular that you will always hate those teams that you guys battled against so hard back then? Yeah, I mean, when you're playing, you know, hate is a strong word. When you're, when you're playing a game of basketball, there are teams that you just dislike. You just don't like them. And Miami and Indiana, we didn't like like them. They didn't like us. I played against, you know, Michael in New Jersey and New York, not to the extent of having to get through them to get to the finals or the Eastern Conference finals, but we had our battles as well. And today's game, there there just seems to be too friendly. We didn't shake hands. We didn't go out to dinner. None of that stuff. That never happened. We'll wait until the summertime. But when you're competing and you're trying to get to the ultimate goal of getting to a championship, the only friends you have are the friends that are on your team. What about the Nets? I mean, you were obviously both a Nick and a Net. They're playing Wednesday night. I, I don't know if I'd call it a rivalry, but because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving chose Brooklyn over New York, and I know when you were there it was New Jersey, but still they chose Brooklyn over New York. And now, Chris, you have Kyrie Irving, who's basically MIA. Not that he's gone AWOL, but he's taking off for personal reasons. Hasn't spoken to anybody in the media anyway. Didn't talk to his head coach the last we checked. He was in contact with some of his teammates. As a guy who gave everything he had in that locker room, what are your thoughts from afar seeing what's gone on with Kyrie Irving here in the Brooklyn Nets? Well, one thing I never do is speak on something that I don't know about. So I don't know what his personal reasons are, what's going on with his family. I don't know, so I can't speak on that. But what I can speak on is that when you're trying to reach an ultimate goal, uh, everybody has to be held accountable. And I, all I would ask is that he reach out to his teammates and management to let them know what's going on. Because those are the ones that matter. Those are the ones that are paying your paycheck. So I think professionally, I would want him to reach out. I can't tell Kyrie what to do because I know him, but I, I don't know him that well. So I just I, I, I would just want him to reach out to his teammates to not leave them in limbo as well as upper management. He's a talented, talented player, but I think he owes the team more than to, to, to not reach out and let them know what's going on. Because we can all speculate the media can speculate but until he steps up and let everybody know what's going on that's all it is speculation yeah i definitely agree with that dog pound you got to make sure that your teammates are on the same page irregardless because when you come back to that locker room and you you, you putting the shoes back on everybody's sort of looking over their shoulder wondering today if you have one foot in and one foot out i'm not saying that that's that's what's happening here with Kyrie. i'm just saying that that's that has to be made sure from his perspective with his teammates. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that wholeheartedly because when you're in the trenches and you don't know if a guy is fully invested, then you're going to hold back like, wow, well, that's for treatment, which we know goes on in the league with the superstars. But like I've always said since I was a little kid, every player is a piece of a puzzle. Every piece is different. Some pieces are bigger than others. But at the end of the day, you need every piece to make a puzzle. And he has to realize that, that he's needed. He has guys that look up to him. Pretty sure he's one of the captains. And as a captain, you have to be wholeheartedly 100% invested. 
Well, Chris Childs, one of the pieces to my favorite puzzles, those 90s Knicks teams. I still got, JYD, I didn't even tell you this. I still got the Chris Childs jersey signed by Chili. Chris Childs. Yeah, one of my favorites, man. I love them. I miss watching you, Chris, the passion you played with, hitting those big threes in those postseasons. Those are my, that team will always have my heart. So I appreciate it. It's an honor to be able to get to talk to you here for a little bit. And we appreciate the couple of minutes. Hey, man, my pleasure, man. Anytime. Uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy uh, reminiscing. Uh, we have some special teams, some special guys that were very, very classy. JYB, uh, the Toronto team, old Keon Clark, Bill Curry. I, you know, I'm forgetting that Mo Pete, Vince. We, we, had, we, we had a special coach Wilkins. We have Stan. We had uh, Walker D. Russell from the trainers to the city. Same thing in New York with Coach Van Gundy, Tibbs, the whole crew, man. I, I was blessed to play for two franchises that I will always carry and love in my heart and my teammates. So thank you guys very much. Stay safe. Stay blessed. This thing that we're going through with COVID is not over. The stuff that's going on in this world is not over. But if we just get back to loving each other and not being afraid to express your feelings towards another man, woman, child, we'll get back on on pace to be a great country and good people. Joining us now, a longtime Knicks beat writer, Mark Berman, of course, for the New York Post. And Mark, look, uh, we wish I had you on a week ago so we could talk some positive with the Knicks. Unfortunately, now things are coming off the rails a little bit here. You think it's more the injuries have caught up with them or you think it's just different, you know, guys are not playing as well as they were early on. Give me your thoughts on why the Knicks all of a sudden have struggled here the last few ballgames. Yeah, I missed out on my opportunity to talk positive stuff. R.J. Barrett is such a key to this club. He plays so many minutes. And when you're shooting, you know, 14% from three-point range, he's he's not going to the basket like he was earlier He's taking too many three-point shots. I think RJ is the key. And when he's playing so horribly, the Knicks can't win. The last three games, they couldn't break 90 points. They need Alec Burks back in the lineup. He's been out since the third game. They just don't have three-point shooting. They're actually last in the league in three-point shooting. The Knicks talk a lot about their defense is not up to par. They're not talking enough on defense, but I think you're splitting hairs. If you can't get to 90 points in this league, you can't win. They need RJ. And when RJ is going well, you know, that boosts everyone else, like Julius. Julius looked exhausted in Charlotte last night, and the minutes are take are finally taking a toll on Julius Randle. He was playing at a LeBron-like level for a few games, was in great shape. The injuries are a big factor, and they the biggest one is not Frank Nilekina or Dennis Smith. It's Alec Burks. He was shooting very well from the three-point line, and they need three-point shooting. Yeah, Alec Burke, you talk about it, Mark, is is the guy. You know, 20 points a game, almost 21 points a game. When you take that away from your lineup, it's going to affect things. It's going to affect the other players in the rotation because now they have to do more. They're relied on more. And people like R.J. Baird in the second year in, in his NBA lifespan he's not ready for that type of that that type of output yeah i mean he's leading the league in minutes i will say last season he played a lot of minutes for a rookie over 30 minutes a game for a 19 year old that's a lot of minutes so he can handle it but it's up to 38 you you need burks to spell him and now reggie bullock is injured their starting shooting guard 
they had the same starting lineup for 10 straight games. They made the change last night because of Bullock's injury, and Austin Rivers was the starting shooting guard, and they looked very stale and stagnant, and Charlotte built the 10-0 lead. I think they got up 14 points after a few minutes. It was a terrible start. Yeah, injuries is a factor, and Thibodeau has decisions. Do you start Kevin Knox? Bullock misses the Nets game. Do you do you go with Kevin? He looked very good from the three-point line. He's a very good three-point shooter, or potentially can be, if he's a little more consistent. One of the big issues, obviously, you mentioned, Mark, is the shooting, or lack thereof, of R.J. Barrett. They are not built to to have R.J. Barrett not be effective from the floor. It's as simple as that, especially, as you mentioned, with Bullock and Burks out. Those guys are on this team to knock down the outside shot. R.J. Barrett's game is clearly not that, but without those guys, he's going to have to knock down some outside shots. Barrett says he's going to keep shooting. Is that a philosophy you agree with, or you think he should get back to what his strengths are, which is clearly anything but shooting the basketball? You know, it's funny. Wally Zerbiak is listening to the post game. You know, we're not traveling right now because of COVID, and we have to watch the game at home and, and interview the players on Zoom. So I caught Wally, and Wally said, stop shooting. You cannot shoot three-pointers anymore. You have to take it hard to the basket. That's what you do well. Thibodeau also said, keep shooting. We got to shoot our way out of it. But right now, RJ is struggling so badly, he's got to come up with a new tactic. I'd rather him go. He's great going to the basket. I think he's got so much skill, so much savvy. He's so strong. He takes contact. He's got to pass up some of those three-point shots and take it to the hole. I agree. Dog pound approved, Mark. (laughs) You got to take it to the cup. Get some buckets down low. The basket gets bigger. Then you can inch your way out. Yeah. You know, that's the that's the number one rule in 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 veteran basketball. If you are any type of slump, you know to go take it to the cup. Get a foul, get on the foul line. Those are skills that RJ Barrett possesses night in and night out. Right. Um, And it's just yeah. Yeah. Just to say to keep shooting is not keep shooting. Well, no, 14% isn't getting it done. And you got to rely on those other strengths that you have, which is why, you know, you are a lottery pick. And that's why that the Nick fans love you because you do other things. You can bring other things to the table. Well, you make a great point about getting a foul because he's improved his free throw shooting. That's still pretty decent for him last season. And even at Duke, he was a poor free throw shooter. He's improved that. And to me, that's huge because he is a guy who draws fouls. And I'd love to see him get back to that right now. One other guy that I know JYD and I talked about this, I think it was on episode three this year. You know, the Knicks are going to go as Randall, Barrett, and Quickly go. And Barrett has been bad here and Quickly has been, I mean, since he came back, really, he has not been anything like the player that the Knicks need him to be. I know it's a lot to ask of the rookie. Okay, I understand that, especially with all the you know limitations with COVID, so they didn't have a full preseason and training camp and all that. But he burst onto the scene here, Mark, and showing he could be a player. Last couple of games, he's been terrible. How about the play of Emmanuel quickly uh, and, and impacting that negatively with the Knicks? Yeah, it's been actually four straight games where he's struggled shooting. Uh, His three-pointer was way off last night. I think he was 0 for 5. Even though Thibodeau said he did other things and played well enough, I think what happens is you're a guy who you're not on the scouting report. And then all of a sudden you start playing well and you get stories written about you and you're on that scouting report. And they've been a little more physical with him, but they've pressured him more. And I think he's feeling the pressure too. 
everything was gravy early on. Now there's expectation, and he hasn't lived up to it the last four games. Listen, this is a guy who was supposed to be a second-round pick. The Knicks took him at 25, and for weeks it looked like they had the steal of the draft, but right now he's definitely leveled off, and it's going to be so interesting to see how he bounces back. When you talk about when that scouting report comes out, and and now you are on the front page of that piece of paper that every NBA team you know, reads the roster and what, what you got to look for. And we're keying in on this guy now. So this is where you're, you know, you, you make your money in this league because now that they're writing about you, can you still go out there if you're JYD and get an offensive rebound? Can you still go out there and, you know, steal a couple points in transition? Can you still bring the energy? It's the same thing. This is where the rubber meets the road for guys who are looking to con- get consistent minutes. And that's what Quigley has to look at. He has to figure it out. So that's point about being getting your feet wet as a rookie. You know, most rookies like would kill for minutes. Then when you get them and you're in that juggernaut, they call NYC the big apple. Well, it comes with that pressure pipe too. So you got to figure out what you can bring to the team on a nightly basis. So that even when teams scout you, you still bring in that a game to the cup. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that the teams were surprised by quickly. They were surprised he was coming into the game. In fact, the first preseason game, he was a DNP. So he gathered momentum through preseason and then had a very good season opener. He did get hurt, but when he came back, he was terrific. And yeah, it's 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 going to be very interesting. What about the, real quick, Mark, before we let you go, just give us an update here on the injuries. Not that we're making excuses, but injuries have been a significant part of this team's struggle here. you have a timeline on Burks or Toppin or Bullock where we could expect them to return to the lineup? Bullock has a hip injury, and he had started the first 10 games. We're trying to figure out, today we'll get the injury report, but I think it's 50-50 on him tomorrow. Nilakina is a week away. Toppin is, could be two weeks away. He hasn't even been cleared for contact. We, though, may see Taj Gibson join the team for the Nets game, sit on the bench. I don't know if he'll be ready to play. I'm told he's in great shape. Maybe they'll put him out there for a few minutes in each half. But that could be a big factor to give Randall a blow, give Mitchell a blow. Taj Gibson is a rugged player in the mold of Jerome Williams. What about Burks? Burks is still probably 10 days away. I mean, they, they're going to reevaluate him in five days. Then he's got to go through some practices and get his conditioning back. So nothing is imminent except maybe Taj. Thanks, Mark. We appreciate it. Hopefully next time it'll be on a winning streak. I know the Knicks off to a hot start, and of course we bring in Mark after they lose three <laughs> Next time we'll right. be some wins there. Right. We'll get to you. I'm hoping for a better segment next week. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. does it for us episode 28 the andrew lang edition who the hell is andrew lang of big apple buckets our Knicks podcast from the new york post thanks to jake brown and alex camarada for producing the show subscribe to big apple buckets on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts give us a five-star rating and write a nice review please it helps i'm begging you for jyd i'm sal licata we'll chat with you guys next tuesday thanks for tuning in and stay safe